into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. My name is Oliver Queen. My name is Barry Allen. You're blind, but you see so much. Everything we've been doing, it all leads here. Suit up. Jim Gordon, GCPD. I hear good things about you, Counselor. Harvey Dent. Likewise, about you, Detective. You think you know me, but I've never been more than what each of you has created. <laughs> Just look at the flowers. Welcome to another episode of Televised Heroics. Uh, this week, Daniel, we get to actually skip out on two shows because of the very historic 2016 election. Now, I wouldn't say it was historic because of who won, but it'd be more historic about, uh, you know, the up to uh, part. So, we don't we aren't a political podcast, so we won't get into that. Just uh, know that it was a big moment in our history of America. Yes, I agree with you on that. <laughs> okay. Um, but let's talk about some television, televised heroics, geek news, tele- TV news. I think you uh, are the one that posted it up on our Facebook page first. What's the big news, Daniel? That Je- Young Justice is finally coming back for season three. That's right. You know, it's it's amazing how more, more and more I think these uh, internet campaigns seem to be swaying things to happen. Uh, obviously, for a very long time, uh, Young Justice was getting the hashtag young i think it was uh what season three young justice or young justice season three on twitter and facebook and all great places and uh i think the the consensus was that they everybody wanted to go to netflix because that seems to be the the idea is that if your show gets canceled netflix will swoop in and start making new episodes of it for you but uh i'm pretty sure that the article doesn't say it's going to be going to netflix right Right, didn't it wasn't too informative on that, but I just want to say, as long as they leave the animation and the voice acting the same, I'll be completely happy. <laughs> well, I have to be honest. When I first watched the show when it was first aired, I wasn't a big fan of this first season, and I think that's mostly because I was a huge fan of the comic book Young Justice, which is completely different from the TV show. Uh, but then in season two, they did a time jump and everybody aged, the team got bigger and we had Nightwing instead of Robin. And I was like, I can really get into the show now. So I was watching season two and then of course, you know, it ends with them solving all their problems, but then other problems arise and, uh, we never got a season three. So... I guess I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of excited about a season three coming back. I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't one of the ones that was pushing for it, no, nor was I like upset that it got canceled. But I'll definitely watch it. You know, I'll be watching it too, especially since I'm a big fan of DC animation. <laughs> I mean, well, that's where DC actually does. I think some of their best work is in their animation, their TV shows, and their movies. I mean the. Uh, the the live action TV shows that we, we talk about are obviously uh, sometimes hit and sometimes miss, but I think more often than not, their animated movies and animated TV shows are are probably around the best. Yeah, that's where they really step up the game. Well, they also I think for the most part they also stick closer to the the comic books that we already read. Uh, 
Whereas the TV show, the live action TV shows tend to get a little bit more loose with the material and, uh, you know, stray a little. I think explore creative differences. Right. I think obviously, I think more, I think more and more now they're trying to sway back to being, Oh, if we stick closer to the material, then people like it more. And, uh, yeah, that that seems to uh, do better for them, but they still take their creative license with uh, a lot of the properties. Right. On the other side, though, on Marvel <laughs> live action TV, they have come down and said that the long-awaited uh, pre-production show Cloak and Dagger is delayed now. Now, it was going to be on Freeform, uh, I think, most people used to know that channel as like Fox Family, but now it's called Freeform. Uh, they were going to have a live-action uh, television show of the characters Cloak and Dagger. Now, if you don't know those characters, they're kind. Well, basically, it's it's a girl and a boy that were orphans, and I believe eventually uh, their ex gene uh, matures to the point where. They both have power over light spectrum, basically. So Dagger, the girl, is able to create light daggers and and uh, things like of that sort to harm people. Whereas Cloak, who wears a big blue cloak, is able to use shadow and darkness to warp places or put people into a dark dimension. So... I don't know. I guess, you know, the it sounds like... I mean, I think that... I don't know if the books ever did well with those two characters, but uh, I know they are a fan favorite, and a TV show about that could have done well, might might do well, might not. Who knows? If you give it to the right people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you give it to the right people, anything is possible. Uh, and while we're still talking about TV shows... In two weeks, we have the big four-show crossover for the Arrowverse that's on the CW now. So Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and uh, Legends of Tomorrow. And it's going to be called Invasion, named after the comic book uh, series or, uh, I guess, miniseries crossover that happened in the 80s, I want to say. It introduced us to the Dominators, a space, uh, a version of space aliens that you know, wants to conquer Earth, uh, and they're going to have basically all four shows, uh, each episode showing another piece of the the bigger story, and we'll have to see what that happens. That's in two weeks. What do you think about that, Daniel? Wow, I can't believe it's already here. I remember talking about this in the summer during the summer, <laughs> right? I mean, the, this fall season kind of went by quick. Yeah, let's just hope that they solve all the flashpoint problems, I guess, uh, and get that done, <laughs> done and over with. Yeah, that. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Last season, we had what a uh, two two show crossover with Flash and and. Arrow, where we got introduced to basically Hawkgirl and Hawkman and Vandal Savage setting up for Legends yeah. of Tomorrow. We still had, they still had Damian Dark and uh, whatever the Flash was dealing with at that point to to deal with when they came back from the crossover. Right. 
So I think that we'll probably still have Flashpoint problems like Alchemy and, uh, you know, Prometheus when we come back from uh, from that. Oh, it was Zoom on Flash. That's right. <laughs> I don't know how I could forget Zoom. Because he was very forgettable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was just too over the top, I guess. I don't know. The, the, I, maybe it's the outcome of, of Zoom that made me just forget all about it at this point. But, yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> uh, Invasion. I think Invasion will be pretty awesome to see all four. It, it, it really feels like a crossover in the comic books, too. Like, how you would get each individual book to kind of put aside what they were working on that particular month and then they had to join in to be a part of the bigger crossover right i i hope it feels like a movie you know like a giant tv movie that's what i'm hoping for that would be pretty cool i mean it's kind of like uh you know i don't know if they still do them because i don't really watch them but uh (laughs) i don't know if they still do uh like tv miniseries anymore like Back in the day, Stephen King's It was a miniseries. Mini a lot of Stephen King stuff. I remember the Langoliers uh, being a miniseries. I think The Stand was a miniseries. I'm, sh- I'm not sure about that one. But, uh, yeah, Roots. Roots was a miniseries. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, if they played it off like that, it, it is kind of like a, a TV movie that plays out in four different days. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> All right. Any other news that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, the last thing, um, you know, this might spark uh, maybe an argument or whatnot, but uh, Ezra Miller, uh, he actually had to turn down a fan at uh, at this Harry Potter convention. Basically, a fan came up to him, handed him the wrong book, and Ezra was just like, dude, I can't, you know, I can't sign this for you. You know what it is, right? And the fan just goes, well, you know, I thought Justice League was part of Marvel, and... That's where you had to turn him down. Like, no, dude, I'm sorry. Can't do it. Yeah. You know, I saw the headline for this. I didn't click on it because I already have my problems with Ezra Miller. But (laughs) as you – like, I mean, not even just as The Flash. I have my problems for him as The Flash, but I have problems with him as an actor. I don't think that he's as good as everybody makes him out to be. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Like, as you explained it to me, I think that – one the f- the fan and I'm using air quotes uh, since people can't see me isn't really a fan. He's just someone that waited in line, wished that he could get something signed so that maybe he could sell it online again. Obviously, why did why he grabbed a Marvel book instead of a DC book? Uh, then and why would I mean I don't know. It's he's he's there. For, it's a Harry Potter convention. Yeah, and they were uh, promoting fan Fantastic Beast. Yeah, which he's in, and I knew that. It's just yeah. Harry Potter is also, you know, put out by Warner Brothers, which is Warner Brothers puts out the DC stuff. So DC, I gotta, yeah. gotta wonder why there was a Marvel comic book there in the first place. But then you know you gotta think Ezra Miller is like, why do you even care? Like it's just a guy who has something that wants to be. Signed. If I brought up my program from the Harry Potter convention, would wouldn't you just sign that? I mean, I guess technically he's in Harry Potter, so. I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about this. I think I think it was just dumb on everybody's part in general. So I don't want to bash Ezra Miller about this particular thing, but I do don't like him. I do don't like him. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I, I don't even know either because, I mean, 
Um, I've gotten some stuff uh, autographed at Phoenix Comic Con just uh, from some of the voice actors, and they personalize the stuff. So even if you know it was a Marvel comic, Ezra's going to write it down to whoever the fan is. So it's not like he's going to get much money off of that autograph. You know, if he were to sell it online, that's true. And then I also put down like. Yeah, I, hey, you know, hey there, John. I'm signing this, even though it has nothing to do with me. Yeah, exactly. So, makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Ezra Miller, I'm giving you a pass, uh, just because I don't know enough about the story. But you better do be- a lot better with Barry Allen than what has been depicted so far, or else I'm gonna be really pissed. And I'm gonna write a really, really scathing tweet. <laughs> And you know what? My tweets are important. <laughs> Starting to sound like Chris Hardwick a little bit. <laughs> I strive to be Chris Hardwick someday. Soon. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, go ahead and talk about some TV shows. Let's talk about Gotham. So, <laughs> uh, basically. Gordon has gone ahead and got his job back as the, you know, as a detective or is he a sergeant? Is he just a detective? Um, one of, well, Barnes said, don't let them, uh, pick, uh, pick on you rookie. Yeah. But he's not, he's not a, he's not a, a beat cop. He's not an officer. He's a, he's definitely a, uh, at least a detective at this point again, which uh, this is what I thought was weird. You know, he just, he gets to come right back and get right into the job that he was at. Luckily, you know, Bullock didn't have a new partner yet, but, uh, you know, if if I were to leave my job for six months, I doubt that they would just be like, okay, you can come back at your same pay and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, true, but nobody's looking, looking into that except for you. <laughs> this is what I do. I look into the minutiae that no one cares about. <laughs> Well, it does make for an interesting conversation. I'll give you that. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, so he gets his job back, and then obviously there's the awkwardness between him and, and Lee and uh, Lee's uh, fiance, uh, Mario, and it, it kind of comes to a head when Mario pulls him aside at the engagement party and clocks him and... <laughs> funny thing is gordon takes it doesn't fall he does he does falter back a little bit but then he kind of just looks right at mario and goes i'll give you that one and you know mario kind of looks freaked out because he you knew he threw in as much as he could and he didn't fall yeah i know (laughs) but i mean he so shouldn't be threatening the son of a mob boss he shouldn't and but then again the son of a mob boss who's a doctor should not be hurting his hands that's true. I didn't even think about it that way. <laughs> Points for Mitch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I think what they, you know, obviously, what they're setting up is that eventually, Lee and and Gordon will get back together, and then Mario will be jaded, and he'll end up becoming more a part of his father's uh, organization, and then probably turning on uh, Gordon and Lee, and thus we have a new bad guy, Mario Falco. Hasn't hasn't this been done numerous times? Yes. <laughs> wow. We don't need it to be any different. <laughs> uh, but I think the biggest part of the show is about uh, Barnes. Barnes having to deal with his new uh, rage strength that he has coursing through him, 
and uh, you know he, he goes to the Hatter to uh, find out more about it. The Hatter kind of just strings him along because he never really gives him an answer that he wants. And so, go ahead. Oh, let's just say until he pisses him off. Until he pisses him off. Uh, it's. It, it, I think the transition that they use when uh, Barnes is kind of, I mean, for lack of a better word, hulking out, is pretty awesome. Yeah, and really, really creepy. Lot towards the end of the episode, that that really worked out too. You know, <laughs> slowly see throughout this episode. Okay, I want to throw this out. This episode felt like a psychological thriller, up until they fucking did the bullshit with goddamn. Penguin and fucking Enigma and Isabella. Oh God, yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I I get I get what you're saying though. With the, all the barn stuff, it was very psychological thriller, which I love. I love those that genre of movie. So it was a little bit uh, better for when while watching this episode. Uh, first, he goes after. Well, they basically an officer finds uh, a dude just trying to. Uh, did, did the officer find or did Barnes find him that was disposing of the body? Uh, Barnes found uh, found him. He he saw him when he was uh, leaving the grocery store. Oh, that's he right. He looked really suspicious getting into the van, followed him. And then he's like, come on, dude. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm just a guy that dumps the bodies. That's all. You know, you how about you just let me go? And then Barnes, you know, started losing control. <laughs> and just, like, and snaps his neck, fucking, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, so when he finds out who it is that, that kills the people, it's a doctor, a plastic surgeon that basically harvests faces and, uh, body parts for the richer people that need them. And I say need them sarcastically. Uh, he goes after him and the guy gets arrested, but then he gets let out because he knows all the night, the right people. And when, uh, Barnes eventually says he's going to turn himself in for the murder of the the guy who disposes of bodies. That's when he sees the doctor at the engagement party and decides to throw him through a wall f- six stories up. <laughs> yeah. That, Holy shit. <laughs> that was pretty incredible. The dude lands on a car and he literally should be mush at that point, but he's aware enough so that when Gordon comes by him a good 30 minutes later, I think he, uh, he's able to tell Gordon that Barnes killed him or something like that. Right. Yeah. He just says Barnes and then finally dies. Dies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if the, if being thrown through the wall didn't kill him, the, the sudden stop at the ground level in a car would have killed him, but I guess, or, you know, shrapnel going inside of him. Yeah. That too. Uh, so I guess now Barnes or, uh, Gordon has to be looking at Barnes in a certain way. Yep. What, what do you think of the little grin that he got when he looked at the party and, you know, the voices just kept on going saying guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> I, I thought it was, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that much better. It's, it's giving him a little bit of extra, you know, personality, I guess, or something. I mean, obviously he's not going to be able to stick around, but other than that, like who do you, the, to me, the way that they're portraying him reminds me of, uh, the jailer. Do you remember the jailer? The master jailer from Supergirl? No, 
Not that one. The one, I think his name is the Jailer. He might be called Key. But it's the dude in Batman that, like, he used to be an Arkham uh, security guard, but he got tired of all the the Arkham inmates, like, escaping, so he just became a vigilante. And then at the end of the episode, the Batman animated series episode, he pulls the line that's from Watchmen of, uh, you fools think that I'm locked in here with you? No, you're locked in here with me. Oh, that's fucking awesome. I don't remember what his name is, though, but and I don't know if he's someone that was created for the TV show or if it was someone from the, the comic book. Okay. So... That's it. I thought that was an interesting character. Um, and I, I read, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I read online um, that somebody, you know, there's a little theory. I think it might be on Reddit going that um, this may be like a pre-Bane. Maybe, uh, you know, eventually, obviously, he's going to die. Somebody's going to get a hold of his blood. And they're going to use that blood uh, to turn it into... Uh, venom? Top, yeah, Venom, basically. Ooh, that could be interesting. Uh, I don't know if that would exactly play out, but uh, yeah, that could be interesting. That's a good theory. But I see where you're coming from, though, that it probably won't play out. Yeah, I mean, it could. It died. You never know where this show is going, so... Right. <laughs> and then, yes, you, the other part that you touched on earlier about the whole uh, Gordon and... Nigma or not Gordon, I'm sorry. Uh Penguin and Nigma and uh, Isabel. And Isabel making herself look like Kringle and uh I don't know. That that this is a little too stupid. <laughs> and then fucking Penguin getting someone to cut her tire or her brake line. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was so cheesy too when she's just like, Oh dear. <laughs> So if she dies, or if, okay, if she doesn't die, I should say, isn't that more proof that she actually is Kringle and, like, she has some type of meta power or at least is able to not die or heal herself? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, honestly, uh, like I texted you after watching the episode, she might be related. I know my theory went crazy, but she might be part of the Court of Owls. That would be interesting because seeing as how we actually haven't had any Court of Owls stuff happen in a while, I think the last we saw was when uh, Hatter went to that uh, dinner at, at uh, Penguin's and Penguin was talking to the lady. But other than that, we haven't really had a lot of talk with them since uh, Bruce uh, made the deal with her. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, we just saw, I guess, Gordon's maybe dad or uncle there. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Huh. Okay. And I would just say that Isabella's there. If she is, part, you know, Kringle, she's just there to fuck with the penguin's head, basically. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. It, well, she might actually want revenge on Enigma too. Well, if she wants revenge on Enigma, then that might that might push him off the deep end and have him be a crazy killer again. That could. That's definitely true too. All right. Let's uh let's move on to Supergirl. Alright. So, I you know the the whole idea is that, you know, Monel is now part of Earth and he needs to acclimate. So she thinks the best thing to do is get him to get him a job at Catco where 
he just knows absolutely nothing. Like this is this is where I didn't want them to go with this character. He is dumb. Like literally dumb, and everything, every stereotype that they've been saying about Daxamites is kind of coming true. I wanted them to be more like, oh, every stereotype I say about we have about Daxamites is not true. We just made shit up because we are uh, xenophobic about you know Daxamites. But nope, that's not what's happening here. They are playing him up as being dumb. He doesn't know what a, how to answer a phone. He doesn't know like. You know how to open a letter you know all kinds of stupid stuff and being a frat boy is totally true yeah and being a frat boy you know it's just ugh, ugh. And, and, <laughs> and then he gets caught having sex in the copy room exactly why he's a frat boy <laughs> <laughs> uh, and his line oh come on I hadn't had sex in over 30 years come on <laughs> uh yeah um I mean, okay, so, you know, that's... Eventually, at the end, she just realizes, oh, maybe you're, you know, doing the thing that I did is not the best way for you to acclimate, so you go do your own thing. Blah, blah, blah. Uh. So, my theory on this is, okay, so, you know, he's obviously strong, so what if he becomes a cop? And what if he gets into a firefight with a criminal, and that's when they discover that lead is his weakness? You know, that could definitely be true. Uh... That's interesting. I don't think bullets have lead in them anymore, though. I think that's a thing that that's changed. Oh, okay. Well, then, never mind. <laughs> but you know, I thought. See, when they originally showed him in the flashback on Daxum, I thought that he was the prince's uh, like bodyguard or something, like a royal bodyguard. Uh, it's. I mean, now it seems more like he was just the prince's friend. So yeah. If he, I mean, if he was an actual bodyguard, like let him go and do that. Be a be a personal security guy, like. Uh, his skills of of strength and speed would definitely work out in that that career choice, and he'd still kind of be doing good, maybe. Yeah, he'd be taking down the bad guys, human bad guys. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, it did, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that's the, that might not be the direction they're going with this character. Yeah. Uh, the the other this, big big part of the episode is. Uh, you know, Jimmy being more of a whining baby because he just feels like he does nothing to do. Haven't we seen this before too? Then it wasn't win like that. Like, oh, there's nothing I can do. I don't have any powers. I can't keep up with you, Kara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which is funny because Jimmy is now in charge of all of Catco, which is a pretty big company. You have a lot to do. Yeah. I don't know how he's going to find the time. Uh,. And you know they 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 tease the image. He grabs a a plate and or not a plate, but it's like a big metal plate or something like that. And it's a, he uses it as a shield, which is very much a guardian move. Um, he uh, he he throws in the line of like because I think someone I think Wynn says something to him about uh, what are you doing? Are you crazy? He goes, don't worry, I'm a black belt. And it's like. Oh, good. I'm glad they threw that in there so that we knew that he can fight. Oh, that was at the beginning of the episode when he was trying to take down um, the crooks. That's where he was. And Kara was all freaking out about it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so it was Kara. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's uh, that was the other... That's the big baddie of this episode is these crooks were given weapons by Cadmus, basically alien tech. One was a... I'm guessing a gravity gun. The other one was some type of uh, 
Pulsar Ray, and I forget what the third gun was, but I don't know if the these... the one that shot electricity and Parrot basically would was able to stop Kara. Oh, okay. Yeah, the you know it's just very generic weapons and generic bad guys. Uh, I guess the big thing is, is is that we're supposed to we're supposed to recognize Cadmus as a as a big evil, even more so now. Uh, and then well, the big reveal at the end of the episode is that dun 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 the lady running Cadmus is Lena Luther's mother. No way. No, I couldn't believe it. So does that mean he's she's Lex Lex's mother too, or is this Lena's act like her real mother because she said she's adopted, right? Yeah, she said she's adopted, so I don't know. I mean, it'd just be dumb that every person in the fucking Luther family goes evil. <laughs> Everybody but Lena. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you, I wanted to ask, do you, do you think that Wynn and Lena might be a thing? Uh, I It could happen, because, you know, it'd be nice for him to actually get win one i mean i guess he did get siobhan but then she became the uh silver banshee but uh yeah it'd be nice for him to actually have somebody i i felt like this episode was about relationships because i mean we got that going on i i felt that chemistry when they were underneath the booth and then um with with maggie and her girlfriend breaking up and then you know Alex saying like, well, you know, I always hated dating and, you know, it's kind of a good thing that you're single. Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> well, yeah, she finally came to realization with herself that she actually is homosexual. She's yeah. probably been that way since high school because every relationship with every guy that she's ever had has never worked out. So, yep. yeah, we got that happening. Yay. That, yeah. <laughs> I, I just feel like I don't mind that i just felt that they could have wrote it in better they made it really awkward you know i i don't i i have no care whatsoever that that she's homosexual i just feel like alex is the character that they could have just kept asexual like they didn't need to they don't need to give her a love life it's not relevant to the character that she is portraying she's a scientist and a law enforcer that's the part that should have been it yeah She's pretty kick-ass, and uh, well, maybe they felt like she was too perfect and too kick-ass, so they had to give her some kind of vulnerable. God damn it! Somehow, have a sign of weakness. <laughs> yeah, I get Fuck. you. And you know, and and a love interest is usually the way to do that. So this is the way they're going with that. And all right, I guess we'll have to deal with that for the rest of the, the this half of the season, probably. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> Uh, any other big uh, points of this episode that you want to talk about? No. Yeah, I don't. I mean, nothing really happened Supergirl-wise. It's just, you know, a lot of it, side stories. Yeah, it was uh, mainly James um, Olsen and uh, Monel. That's pretty much all this episode was. I will never call him James. I don't care if he feels like he's working. He's Jimmy. Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen. Superman's pal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Except he doesn't exist in the Snyder world anymore. Oh, that's unfortunate. He died. <laughs> <laughs> Off screen. Off Sorry, wrong move. Sc- oh, wait. <laughs> 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 but, 
But I mean, uh, yeah, it's just ugh, 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 all right. I mean, he doesn't even have a relationship with Superman in the Snyder. Okay, we're not even going to get into that. I know, I know. <laughs> God damn it! Sorry, I opened up a can of worms. Uh, all right. Uh, like we said, there's no Flash this week, so let's go right over to Arrow. Where did uh, what 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 did this what was this episode about, Daniel? We've been trying. Okay, this episode was pretty much basically trying to figure out who the hell Prometheus is, who he's associated with, um, and I just want to say I'm really digging season five of Arrow. Thank God they're <laughs> going back to the roots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After season four, which I personally didn't have that big of a problem with, but it did. It does stray away from what made Arrow better. Uh, season five is doing well, and uh, we do have a mystery of who's Prometheus. And I have to say, just before the episode started, I was like, "Huh, what if with you know, Lance isn't actually a drunk and he's just playing it off, and like, he's really upset that both his daughters are gone and he's Prometheus." And you know, this episode kind of starts playing that up, but then at the very end. You see that he has the scratch in his arm, the same place that he got cut earlier, and or that Prometheus got cut earlier, and he wakes up from a drunk like blackout, and he has one of the throwing star or throwing knives that they are now calling the or is it throwing star? Yeah, they call it a throwing star killer, but uh, so I think that's way too obvious. Then, then <laughs> obviously it's not Detective Lance, or as right. I, as I say, Deputy Mayor Lance now. God, his titles just keep getting more and more impressive every season. <laughs> yep, if Ollie dies, he then becomes the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> Which we almost had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't... I'm just trying to figure out why... I mean, how they're playing all this up. You know, that because I have a feeling that he really is a Prometheus. So do you think he's under some kind of spell? Um, somebody that he works works with, and you know, it's just when he's out, he's just like, okay, I'm gonna cause him tr- uh, some trouble as Prometheus, and you know, oh, great, he's passed out. I can give him the same cut that I got. Yeah, I think that's just, that's what happened. It's like he just he he might even be throwing in some uh, extra medication into Lance's like alcohol, so it, it you know it could be something that simple. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be Lance. However, I could see Lance sacrificing himself by the end of the season. No. <laughs> Trust me, I don't want Paul Blackthorne to leave. I think he's he's a great actor, and he, he makes for a great character. But uh, I don't know. I kind of see that, that would be his ultimate redemption because now that his daughter's dead, his other daughter's in time fighting crime after she died once also, and then now he's kind of just downward spiraling again with drinking it might be his last ditch effort to be like, okay, I can help make the world better. And, you know, maybe he'll jump on a grenade or something or take a shoot, a throwing star to the neck for, for Oliver. Yeah. I think he might take a throwing star. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That would, I mean, and then that would mean in true, you know, lazy writing fashion, the new civilian character would be the would be prometheus so felicity's boyfriend yeah so art i don't know how i just uh, i guess the other big talking point about this episode is like 
what kind of vibe are you getting from Artemis? Because you and I both know that you know she's not the best person to rely on. So what do you, what do you think of Artemis so far? Uh, well, this is th- this episode. Is this the episode where they kind of play off the whole we don't trust Oliver thing anymore? Yeah, pretty much. Again. Again. Since, like, the <laughs> first episode, like, we don't trust you anymore. Oh, that's right, because he was keeping... Uh, what was he keeping from them? Prometheus? Was he keeping... No, he. Uh, this episode, he was keeping um, his dad's book and Prometheus oh, and to the, himself. Yeah, the fact that he was killing people when he first came back as the Hood. And that gave me, like... <laughs> there was a line in there when some. I don't remember if it was uh, uh, Curtis or someone else, but they are like, wait... You were the hood, and he's she's like the hood, the arrow, and green arrow, all Oliver. And it's like, really, you people didn't know this? Like, it's not like he changed <laughs> his outfit. It's the same outfit, just different names. It's not rocket science. <laughs> like, I can understand that you didn't know Oliver Queen was the hood, but you'd have to know that the hood and the arrow and the green arrow were all the same person, right? Right. I mean, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's. I mean, th- yeah, they got kind of upset with the whole you kept the fact that you were a serial killer, you know, to yourself. And I, I guess technically, yes, he was a serial killer, but they were all bad people. Except for Kurt. Oh yeah, the people he killed. Yeah, they're all bad people. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Didn't you say that uh, the one of the theories out there is that Prometheus is uh, Roy? Yes. How do you feel about that theory after this? I it, it adds more concrete evidence to it could be Roy being fucked up by the timeline and he hasn't recovered from the Mirakuru. Um, I mean, he he came from, from the Glades. So, you know, he was a thief before. So, it, you know, he could steal and break into things very easily. Uh, he's been trained by fucking Oliver so, to be even quicker. So in this timeline, he was still trained by Oliver. Right. They just weren't able to recover his sanity from the Mirakuru. So he's, um, you know, succumbing to the effects of the Mirakuru, and that's why he went rogue and eventually became evil. So then while training, he he must have found out about the notebook and, you know, about Oliver killing those people kind of thing. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. You know, that's. I would like that as a nice little uh, wrench in the plans to to throw people off. So that'd be kind of cool. And you know what? Kind it would kind of be. It would kind of be, uh, hush. Yeah. You know, like, uh, but it, as if if, I get so I, technically I guess it'd be more it'd be like Red Hood with uh, Jason Todd coming back to life. Yeah, which I could definitely see, but I mean, who would, well, who would he ultimately bring to Ollie and be like, "You got to kill this guy now"? I'm not mad at you for not killing him and keep, or I'm not, uh, I'm not mad at you for not avenging my death. But why the hell is he still alive? Who would that it'd person be, be? It'd be Deathstroke, because after he defeated Deathstroke, he just put him in jail on the island. Oh my god, you just blew my fucking mind! I didn't <laughs> even think about Deathstroke. Which would make sense why he's here for episode 100. Oh my god, did we just crack this wide open? 
Holy fucking shit. <laughs> uh, all right. You heard it here first, first folks. <laughs> we get a glow if we get this shit right. Uh, I guess uh, to answer your question earlier about Artemis, I think she's just filled way too much angst. Uh, I think I, I think it's interesting that she takes to the training a lot better than anybody else, but like she is ready to just follow behind whoever. Like as soon as someone throws out something about Oliver, yeah, what's wrong with Oliver? Why does he do that? Or then it's like, oh no, no, Oliver's right. We should uh, we should be training better, you know, kind of thing. It's like she, like at least Ragman is like always on the optimist side, and then uh, Wild Dog is always on the pessimist side, <laughs> and uh, and I guess Curtis is just kind of like, huh, I'm just happy to be here, folks. I don't know what the hell's going on. Curtis is becoming the new Felicity because he's telling inappropriate jokes or bad jokes at the wrong time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, we also got to see more of the flashbacks in this episode, and we finally get to see who Kovar is. It, it's played by Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> that was awesome. So do, I thought so anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely awesome. You know, <laughs> Dolph Lundgren, awesome, right there. <laughs> done but uh doing a little bit of research into the dcu uh kovar isn't someone particularly but his son is somebody his son is a russian superhero by the name of red star huh okay and i believe he was on the teen titans team for a little while oh really yeah so i had no idea we'll see if that ends up playing out in this this show or not uh, I think that's pretty much everything for Arrow. Was there anything else that you want to talk about? No. Um, I, I just feel back to our little theory. Um, it would make a lot of sense because we only have one big screw-up in this timeline because of, you know, uh, John Diggle Jr. and not Baby Sarah. Yeah. But, you know, if this is the timeline with John Diggle Jr., uh, Prometheus could be... Um, Deathstroke's son, the one that we saw in Legends of Tomorrow that took over the name of Deathstroke. So he just came back in time? No. I mean, we just... We, you don't know how old uh, uh, Deathstroke's son would be in that timeline, do you? Did, do we? Did we see his face? In in that episode, yeah, he took off the helmet uh, when they said, like, Deathstroke, what are you doing here? And oh. then he's he takes off the mask. He's like, that's a name I haven't heard in, in ages. Oh, was was that well? Then was he around the same age as uh as John Diggle Jr.? Yeah, uh, I would say so. They're probably around the same age. Yeah, maybe maybe not. But I mean, it could. I mean, I could still see it playing out that way. That he would be, uh, you know, trying to find out where his father is buried and or not buried, but imprisoned. But but then again, we know that. Deathstroke's not at that prison anymore, right? Didn't he go back to go back there and find out that Deathstroke had escaped? Yeah, we found out that he was no longer on the NU. Yeah, so... Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's move on to Legends of Tomorrow when we got to visit the 80s and a lot of Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah. That's what I felt. <laughs> well, D Damien Dark was definitely a fan because he was driving around in the red fucking convertible 
and he had his t-shirt on with his blazer over it with the pushed up uh, sleeves and wearing his gun in his waistband, which every time I see people like do that in the movies, I'm just like, you don't want to put a gun barrel right there. It's hot after you shoot. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Damn, you're 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 full of catching all these little things. <laughs> I just it's just things I notice, and I'm just like, ah, you know, it looks it might look cool, but it probably wouldn't. It's not practical. <laughs> uh, you got a point. Damien Dark, though, in the 80s, apparently became a consultant or a high advisor to Ronald Reagan. And while Reagan was having negotiations with Gorbachev, Damien Dark was going around both leaders and trying to make his own negotiations with the leader of the KGB, which would then uh, have them trade some nukes and, I believe, kill off the two leaders. Yeah. And they said that there's no way, you know, anything's going to stop them. There's no way saving the world from a nuclear holocaust. Um, Was he speeding up his whole hive mission? Uh, Maybe. That that definitely could have been what was the plan there. But uh, I think it was also the idea was to uh, basically for the the Legion of Doom to be getting more power because we saw that he was having interactions with uh, Professor Zoom or Reverse with Flash. Thon? Yeah, with Thawne. Okay. So I think another interesting thing was that uh, what's his fa- uh, he was also trying to get a, tr- a trinket, basically something that was inside of a little box that uh, the Soviet guy had given him, but when he got taken away by uh, Reverse Flash, uh, Sarah was fast enough to pick his pocket and get it from him. Yep, which was actually pretty fucking awesome to watch. Yeah, and th- she also put together that it was a speedster, so uh, she knows that a speedster is the one that killed uh, our man also. So that that was also an interesting thing, is that we had... Uh, Vixen, who wanted to get a hold of the speedster because she wants to kill the person responsible for killing her love interest, Rex Tyler, our our man. But Sarah also wants to kill Damien Dark because she knows that eventually in his timeline he's going to kill Laurel. Yeah, but wouldn't killing, you know, Damien prematurely have intense ramifications? Yeah, of course. That's what, and that's exactly what uh, you know. Stein is telling him is like you, you can't do that because it's going to be very, very bad. Yep. And Basically saying you can't. Everybody was just giving her shit this episode. Actually, like, oh, it's only convenient, you know, for, for you to carry out your personal vendetta. But when we want to do something, you tell us no. It's off limits. We can't do it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So obviously she's learning more and more on how to be a, a leader. And then she gives off her little speech when she has the opportunity to kill Dark. She says, I'm not going to kill you because I know how it ends for you. You're going to you know, you're gonna get as close as you possibly can to having your world domination that you planned that you wanted. And it's going to get stopped and you're going to die. So you're going to have to live with that for the rest of your life. And I have to that say... That was pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> I have to say her little speech was awesome, but bull. I call bull. <laughs> if you have, Why do you call bull? If you have the opportunity to kill him, I say take that opportunity because you know that he's going to 
not only is is Laurel gonna die, but a whole city called Rockhaven or whatever the fuck it was called dies. So, so you're saying fuck the future and fuck the ramifications that will come from it? Look, they are already fucking the future. Every time they go back and they stop... Some, look, they didn't even stop the guy who released the zombie virus in fucking the Confederate Times. They didn't even find that guy. All they did was kill off... It killed off a whole bunch of people. And then uh, they set a whole bunch of slaves free that weren't free in the first place. And then, like, uh, you know, didn't even solve the problem. Actually, I have a theory as to why the zombies stopped. I feel like they killed the the original zombie, and that's why Rory was cured, because they never gave him the extra vaccine. Yeah, they did, as soon as he sprayed him, because it was inside the, the extinguisher. Oh, okay, well, never mind. Fuck you, then. <laughs> <laughs> but then look at the when they went to feudal Japan. That Shogun wasn't supposed to die right then, but he blew up inside of a fucking suit. So, what kind of ramifications is that? Yeah, what the fuck, Dr. Stein? <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, they're make, they're not sticking to a very uh, strict uh, guidelines of don't fuck with time. They are literally going around and fucking with time. So, yeah. <laughs> why not just make well, the world better? Be like Quantum Leap. Make the world better. Multiple uh, butterfly effects everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no way you can avoid avoid it, so might as well uh, steer into the into the skid, as they say, and just fucking go all out. And this is where fucking time rapes come in handy. Just saying. <laughs> you're, you're exactly. That's why Barry shouldn't <laughs> be going back in the past, but you know, and they they have a reason for him not to, but not not time masters apparently. How convenient. As long as you Fuck use a, a vehicle instead of uh, just running fast enough, then time race don't come after you. I guess so. Actually, <laughs> I take that back. Don't fuck this show. It's getting a lot better. It is getting just a lot better. Just fuck the logic behind it. Yes, exactly. Stop Stop trying to sit yourself inside of the these rules that mean nothing. Oh, okay, okay. The biggest thing, the biggest question I have is uh, where the fuck is Thon taking... Uh, goddamn, uh, dark. And what the hell is up with that bubble? Or so that they placed in there. That bubble is actually a time sphere. In the original, in the comic books, when uh, Rip Hunter travels through time, he travels in a time sphere like that. Or even Booster Gold travels from the future to the past in a time sphere. You don't travel in a ray, a wave rider, a big old uh, Millennium Falcon Spaceship. looking thing. But uh, you t- you travel through a t- in a time sphere. Wave Rider is actually the name of a time traveler in the comic book, so that's why they called it the Wave Rider. But he, yeah, that's uh, I don't know where Thon is sending uh, Dark to or what time period. So that's interesting. Maybe he's sending him to the future, past the point of his death. So, oh, that's a really good theory. Yeah, I mean, for just to fuck with Ollie again. Yeah, just to fuck with him again, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that yeah, that we'll, we'll have to see what that that ends up being. Now, an interesting theory that I heard about, and I'm not saying this is my theory because I heard this one or I read this one, but this episode ended up having to do a lot with uh, Obsidian, the JSA member, right? Yep. And uh, in the comic book, Todd Rice, Obsidian, is the son 
of Alan Scott, the original Golden Age Green Lantern. So, uh, one of the things that, you know, they were, they're like, you need to, like, the one of the reasons why he was sticking around is because he needed to protect something and he ends up dying and he, you know, tells, he tells, uh, Vixen, you know, that she has to keep up the work or whatever. But what mm-hmm. if what was in that ring box was Alan Scott's Green Lantern ring? Oh, that's fucking awesome. Right? I like it. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that could be very interesting uh, a, a strange way for us to be getting a green lantern in these shows without actually getting a green lantern in these shows because alan's like a little hint yeah alan's well like maybe even some like okay so alan scott isn't a green lantern the same way that hal jordan is a green lantern because when they rebooted him they made green lanterns into space cops but uh you know he was a green lantern to the effect that he had a ring with an actual green lantern on it. And he made it from a meteorite that was, uh, that fell to earth. And he kind of was, it's kind of, it was kind of like his Aladdin's lamp. It was able to create whatever his mind wanted. So if they keep with the JSA and the fact that he, he might've existed then and he passed the ring down to his son who already had power. So he didn't put the green lantern ring on, but then it got lost because the JSA, you know, went on this, uh, mission and and never came back like he, he stated and somehow the kgb got a hold of the ring and they were going to give it to dark who then was going to use the power to take over the world but you know it got taken from him by sarah and we didn't actually see what was in the ring ipso mm-hmm. facto maybe we get a hal jordan like the, the the ring finds him you know kind of thing that is awesome i like it let's see if it happens let's see if it happens so wherever i read that theory more power to you Anything else you want to talk about this episode? Last thing, we don't have to... Uh, I just want, I just shouted this. We don't have to cover it, but... Who the fuck shoots a giant metal man in the goddamn face? <laughs> uh, I guess Secret Service agents? <laughs> oh, goddamn. Yeah, that, that or, was like... Or was what it, kind of logic is this? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, have you ever seen a giant metal man before? Maybe they didn't understand what was going on. No, I have not seen a giant metal man before. <laughs> I mean, where exactly could you shoot a giant metal man that it would be effective? Nowhere. <laughs> exactly. I, talking about that, did the effect look a lot more like a Colossus from X2 and X3? Yes. Yes, it did. <laughs> And I guess well, he was also in uh, Days of Future Past, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we got a little bit more of that. Uh, that's it for the CW shows. That means we get to talk about Easy Street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The Walking Dead, the, uh, episode three, I believe, called The Cell. Such a great yes. episode. <laughs> it's uh, our first glimpse at the sanctuary, which I didn't know that was the name of uh, the area that the Saviors and Negan live. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. basically, they they did some psychological uh, torture and uh, trying to break down uh, Daryl and make it so that he would succumb to their way of life, I guess. Yeah, very much so. They only gave him three choices. 
There is no choice number four. <laughs> All right, so what are those three choices, Daniel? Uh, you basically man the fuck up and you say that you are Negan. Uh-huh. Uh, um, option two is you work like a slave and work for points, but still live in your tiny-ass cell. Right. And, and then number three is they basically throw you... I guess outside in a courtyard full of walkers and you survive or you die. So that's what I, I guess I was kind of wondering what that courtyard was for. I, I was like, at first I thought maybe it was supposed to be like the La Colonia where they were using the walkers as a wall, but those are, they're all chained up in different ways. So I don't know what, I mean, is it, you just, they, you're the entertainment if you get thrown in, the, in there or something. I don't know, because, I mean, they did throw a guy in there, like, freshly alive at the beginning of the episode, and all Dwight did was just watch him while he ate his sandwich. Yeah. Oh, so that's what I, I kind of want to talk about that, too, was uh, the beginning of this episode where uh, you have this music playing and, and Dwight's making him a, himself a sandwich. Uh, did you watch Lost back in the day? No, I did not. Okay. Well, when they... I think it was the beginning of season two when they started off and they showed you... Uh, basically Desmond's life inside the hatch. It played off exact. I think it played off a lot like this, where he's just doing everyday, everyday things like eating and working out and stuff inside this hatch. And you know, it's it's obviously a, a, a juxtaposition from what is actually going on around him. And you know, this is in this instance, instance, it's uh, you're in the zombie apocalypse, but Dwight is kind of just. He's making this, himself this fresh sandwich, and but you get to see the fact that he's he's kind of a top dog around there. He gets to walk to the front of the bread line. He gets to use the toaster. He gets to uh, get the tomatoes before anybody else, and then he gets to he sees that one guy picking a fight with another person, so he knows that guy's bed is going to be free and his stuff is going to be free. So he goes and scavenges through uh, his lo- his trunk locker and finds pickles and uh, mustard and stuff. So he makes himself a nice little sandwich. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, I really, out of everybody that I watched it with, I was the one that really thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Oh, I highly enjoyed this episode. I highly enjoyed this episode. I thought it was... Uh, like the, okay, so this season is definitely, so far, a lot different. I feel it's a lot different than other seasons so far, just because... Really, I feel like the two main characters that they introduced this season, being Ezekiel and Negan, are so cartoonish. They're so <laughs> different than anything else that we've seen in this show so far. Now, I understand that Negan and Ezekiel will probably play off really well in the comic books because it's a comic book and you know you're reading a comic book. But on this TV show, it seems, even though it's a show about zombies, it seems very grounded, I think, for the most part. Mm-hmm. But then you have this guy, and trust me, I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I think he, he's a great actor, especially a great character actor, when he gets a character that really plays to his strengths. But I, don't, I think I've noticed something in this show that I've never noticed in all of his other, produ- his other uh, performances, but I think it, I, I'm pretty sure that they're there. He can't stand up straight when he, talks his, when he says his lines. He always has to be leaning back. Huh. Have you have you noticed that when he's when he's talking as Negan, he's always leaning? Yeah, and uh, now that you mentioned that, um, when he's you know first stalking 
uh, Silk Spectre one and Watchmen, he's kind of like leaning against the wall too and like very relaxed. And a lot of the lines were actually delivered sitting down. I've seen this movie multiple times. A lot of the, a lot of his lines were just sitting down or, you know, standing up, arguing, and then sitting back down or pacing back and forth or leaving the room. Or even when he's like, uh, when he's, when he's uh, using the machine gun right in front of uh, uh, Dr. Manhattan, he's kind of like leaning back. And then when he's using the, the flamethrower, when he's on top of the, the owl or whatever the hell that thing was called. Uh, yeah, he's leaning too. So I don't know. I just, I think I need to go back and like rewatch Supernatural and see if John Winchester leans all the time too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's just one of his uh, ticks, you know, nervous ticks. Yeah, it just it's like a, a thing that he chooses to do. I I don't doubt it, but I'm just, I don't know. It just leans it it le- it uh it uh lends itself to this idea that you know Negan is so cartoonish, and then you have Ezekiel who. Like I stated before, that very much I thought was, I wasn't liking his character at first. I thought he was he was way too much. But then when he comes out and says, "Look, I'm just playing a part. I know this is ridiculous," and that that made me respect the character even more because it makes it so that it has a reason for what he's doing. Like he has, uh, you know, he has purpose to help get all these people like something to believe in, and that really helped me like his character. So now you have Negan. Not only is he, everybody has to come by, whenever he walks down the hallway, they all have to bow to him and can't look him in the face. But he also came up with this elaborate plan to, you know, one day leave the door slightly open so that Dwight can escape. And then when he escapes, he's not really escaping because they're all waiting for him outside. And then when he gets there, you know, he makes it so that everybody, uh, when he asked them the question, who are you? They're like, Negan. You know, it's very much 300 of Spartans. What are you? Rah, rah, kind of thing, you know? Everybody has yeah. to fall in line or else. And then when Daryl's just like, I really thought Daryl was going to say it. I thought he was going to say, I'm Negan. But then he goes, I'm Daryl. And I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> this is the end of him. And then he goes to, he goes to hit him and he stops. And Daryl doesn't even flinch. I'm like, God damn. The balls on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, this season obviously it's just gonna be a lot of mind games. Definitely think about it. Oh, definitely. Uh, I mean, I I still have my problems with Negan as a character. I still don't agree with the way that they've created this character, but at least he is smart in his megalomania. You know, he's he's got his thumb on just about everybody, and to the point where they fear him so much that they'll do whatever it is that he says. Yeah, and I mean, you come find out that um, you know, when Dwight went after that guy, and he's like, so what, we got a guy with a baseball bat, and you know, he takes over, we're scared shitless because he has a baseball bat? You know, that, that really spoke to me, because at that point, when Dwight, you know, he's like, I don't care, just come with me, just come with me, ends up killing him anyway, at that point, I Dwight is coming back to his humanity. Yeah, yeah, you and that that was just so powerful. That spoke, you know, a lot to me. And I I thought that was really interesting too that they gave us that little bit of information that they were a community before Negan showed up, and then Negan showed over and kind of just took over. So you have to think what 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 it was that 
he did the fir- at first to make it so that he was on top. Like, I mean, I guess he just came in and started hitting people with his bat, and every- no one was able to defend themselves against him. Maybe they didn't have any guns or uh, a bat of their own. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, he's got he's definitely gotten to the point that, you know, people don't try and take him out when he's not looking or you- when his defenses are down. And, you know, even Dwight, like, he... He, when he tells the story to Daryl about Dwight, like how he tried to defy him at one point, but then uh, when he came back, he he became a good dog or, you know, one of his top earners or whatever the hell he called him. But uh, it was after he burned his face. Yeah. And maybe if uh, Daryl keeps putting up a fight, maybe he might get his face burnt, you know? Uh, I could definitely see that. I think that he will. Def- I don't know. I think that he sees that Daryl is a different type of uh, different type of animal altogether. I guess like the the usual stuff isn't working on Daryl. The stuff that probably worked on Dwight. So it he's gonna have to do something different, and we'll have to see what that is. Because even Dwight or Daryl says it to Dwight at the end. Because when Dwight is putting him back in his cell. He says, uh, I see why it is that you, you, you said the words or, you know, you did what you did. I don't have that same reason. So I'm never going to do it. Like, I mean, I guess he, I'm guessing he's saying he doesn't have a person that he cares about the same way that, uh, Dwight cared about, uh, his wife. His which, wife. Yeah. I can't remember. Even what though, is. even though she's not really his wife anymore. Right. Well, yeah, technically, yeah, she's now Negan's wife, but, and that's, it was kind of, I don't know. I guess that's kind of sweet. The idea that she sacrificed herself so that Dwight could live, and then Dwight sacrificed himself so that she could live, kind of thing. Yep. So uh, I, I did. I'm not gonna lie. I found it hilarious when he's like, "What? You're turning? It's happy hour at the at the pussy bar." I did enjoy that line though. <laughs> yeah. So that that also makes me think that Negan just has like a a harem of women that he keeps like somewhere in a room that if you have enough points, you can pay to have sex with. As long as they say yes. As long as, well, yes, that's true. He did say as long as they consent, Yeah, uh, which is kind of hilarious in itself. It's yeah. This, uh, um, I really enjoyed the season. I'm not going to lie. I'm enjoying all the characters and I just, that I really like that this whole season's just transforming to something different. They're finally going in a different direction with it. It's it's definitely something, something. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a term yet, guys. Yeah, I don't I don't have a term yet. I don't know. I guess it depends on how it plays out further after this if it's different or not. Because right now I still see the governor. I still see uh, Woodboro. Woodbury. Woodbury. That's what I said. <laughs> uh what'd you think um, what'd you think about the the dog food sandwiches gross <laughs> at first i didn't realize it was dog food i don't know if i missed a scene where he was scooping out some dog food on the bread but i just saw some like brown mush and i was just like oh he's giving them sloppy joes or something <laughs> but yeah eventually when they they stated that it was dog food i was like oh but you know daryl's just like whatever it's food yeah uh, it's just, uh, fuck, the part of, uh, I don't know, we saw Daryl crying. How many times have we seen him crying in this show? It's not that powerful anymore. That got to be a little bit, a little bit, you know, annoyed, I guess. Yeah. 
I mean, I think Norman Norman Reedus is uh, he likes to play off the fact that he can do that on demand. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but how fucked how fucked up was it when he's like, "Here, look at this," and just gives him the photo of you know Glenn's head bashed in? Is that what that was? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't know. It didn't seem to really affect him at the moment, but yeah, he did kind of uh, break down afterwards, but he still, I think that was more fuel. There's like, look, you've already killed my friends, so I don't have anything for you to just be like, fuck you over, you know, or to sure. be like, uh, you're going to, I'll do what you say so you don't hurt him, even though he really does. I mean, if, if they were to bring in anybody else, like what if they brought in Carl and they're like, well, we have Carl, so you either say you're Negan or or you you know we we kill him. He'd probably do it, right? I would say so. I think he's that kind of guy. Of like, oh fuck, I can't have another death, you know, lingering over my head. Yep, Negan, 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 I'm Negan. <laughs> Got it. Huh. It's interesting. I'm, I'm gonna see how this plays out with him with uh, with Daryl, because he's obviously got the spirit, which makes me think since we don't really know too much about his uh, his child upbringing, we do know that like.
we now return you to your regularly scheduled program.